Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 173. This week's show is a solo cast all about the five ways your choices have an impact on the level of joy in your life. I'm super excited to touch on this topic because as you know, if you've been listening, the foundational quote that I love to kind of lean back on for the show itself is all about joy is a choice and we must keep choosing it. It was first said or it was said by Henry Nowen, who was a teacher at Yale Divinity School, which is where I did my master's, although I never met him. (laughs) And I found the quote after I left school, but it really does inspire me both from the point of view that joy is in fact a choice every day in every moment, we get to choose how we react to things and we can choose joy. The other piece is that we have to continue to return to that choice. After having lunch with my mom on Monday, mom, this episode is dedicated to you. We talked about how choice plays a role in our lives. And this discussion inspired me to look at five different ways that choice plays a role in our daily lives and to talk about how joy kind of layers in with each of them. So before we get to that, I first want to say a big thank you to my mom, (laughs) Sally. (laughs) Thanks for the inspiration and for the lunch and for being you. I love you so much. And I also want to say welcome to you all. uh, And thank you so much for tuning in each week. If you're new here, I know there have been a ton of new downloads. I discovered that the show was featured by the podcast app. And so thank you for that feature if you guys are listening in. And thank you for joining and listening. Jumpstart Your Joy is in its fourth season. So I've been recording four and a half years. It's been a real journey for me and I love it so much. My name is Paula and I am both a certified life coach and a longtime project manager, which leads me to create my own special blend (laughs) of inspiration, intention, and action, and how those things layer into the joy of our everyday life. If you want to find out more about this show, the website is jumpstartyourjoy.com. And if you want to find the show notes for this, I'll be linking to some really great articles and resources for you. And you can find the show notes at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash five choices with five being the number. (laughs) Also, while you're over there, maybe you want to start your own podcast. I love it so much and I cannot recommend it highly enough to those of you, especially if you have a business, a service-based business. It's an amazing way to connect with people and they get to hear your voice every week, usually someplace like their car or while they're working out or maybe in their yard while they're doing some gardening. And so it's really a lovely way for them to get to feel that they know you, like maybe you feel that you know me. So if you would like to start your own show, you can find a cheat sheet on all of the hardware and software that I use to create this show each and every week. This is a homegrown, I'm (laughs) self-taught So I know you can do this too. You can find that cheat sheet over at the site under the Start a Podcast link, which is on the homepage. And I would love to hear what you think of it. Would always love your feedback or input. And you can email me directly if you like at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com. 
So let's jump into this. I'm super excited about this episode. It kind of wrote itself and it's always interesting when that happens. So our topic for this week is five ways your choices have an impact on the level of joy in your life. So let's jump into the five ways that your choices have an impact on the level of joy in your life. And I'll go through each of the five and give some examples and some thoughts on each of them. The first one is, remember you are always in choice. And I think this one is especially interesting to me. I know when I was in high school, so I was probably 17 or 18, I have this very vivid memory. This was a big aha moment for me. I was sitting in our den and talking to my mom. I think about what to write about for my college entrance essay. And there was this thing where I was saying, well, but I don't really feel like there's that much that's interesting about me because all this stuff in my life up to right now just happened to me. Like, I didn't make these things happen. And my mom gave me this very strange look and said, well, no, you you did make them all happen. You know, like, you chose to be in softball. You chose to be in theater. Like, you chose to be a camp counselor. None of those things just happened. You made the choice to do each of them. And this was a big aha moment because I think it's very easy for each of us to feel like we are in a reactive stance day in and day out that we just are reacting to the things that come into our plane of existence and that it isn't that we are actually in choice. And so this first one of remember you are always in choice is a really powerful shift once you can start to get your head around it, that you in every moment, in every second of every day, you are actually in choice. This goes for some of the external things in your day-to-day. So externally, what I mean by this is you are making choices about which road to take when you go to work or drop your kids off for school. You're making a choice about what kinds of things you want to eat. You know, it might be that you chose to have cereal today. Now, given the cereal was probably already in your kitchen, but you also made the choice to purchase it. So these aren't things that are just happening to you. They are things that you're making choices mindful choices about in each and every second. So those are the external things. There's also an internal voice and an internal choice that you have running all the time as well. And so what I mean by that is that you are also always in choice about what you make things mean. This was a huge game changer for me to realize, and it did come out of Kate Soboda's CLCC. So her coach training, one of the big ideas that we talk about is Watch what you make it mean. So what does that have to do with choice? Well, you are always in choice about how you are interpreting what someone else has done, what they've said, and what you are making it mean in your life. So let's let's break that down a little bit. Let's say you had an interaction with someone and you asked for them to give you a recommendation for a dentist. And they said, oh yeah, I'll email that to you. And then that email never came. I mean, you could decide to make this any number of things, right? They don't care about me. They're lazy. They forgot. I'm not important. And if your brain is anything like mine, you can probably also take it to the nth degree where it is, you know, you could say any number of horrible things about yourself about why this person didn't send you the name of their dentist. (laughs) Or on the other hand, you could watch what you make it mean and you could say, She's a busy person and she didn't send me that. So I'll reach out and ask her for it. And I think this watch what you make it mean thing has really deep layers across all sorts of things. Do someone's actions actually mean what you're making it mean? And more often than not, 
you're making the choice to interpret them in a negative way if that is what you are doing. You could also decide to approach the thing, whatever the thing is, with some sort of open-mindedness and leave the space for possibility, right? Those are the choices. You could decide it's negative. You could decide it's positive. You could decide it doesn't actually mean anything that they didn't get back to me. So I think that one's really big. And if you're able to kind of get your head around one of these five things, I think this remember that you are always in choice is a really great place to start. And that's where I would start if you are looking for ways to play with the idea of choice in your life. Number two is consider if you are choosing love or fear when you are looking at making a decision. I think this is a really big one. I have talked about it before. This idea about choosing love or fear in the moment of choice actually stems from Dr. Wayne Dyer. And I'll put a link to one of his past discussions in the show notes on this one. But basically, he breaks it down and says that he believes that there are really only two core emotions, and that is love or fear, and that all other emotions are stemming from those two, which I think is really interesting if you start to look at it and want to spend some time with that idea. If you take that notion of there being two emotions, and they are love and fear, then I've taken it to the thing, um, and I did this with myself for... It was like three months where I said, okay, every time I come up with a decision, whether that be, do I want to go to this birthday party? Do I want to go out with these people? Do I want to go visit these other people? Do I want to buy this thing? Any of them, I would stop and remind myself, am I making this decision from love or fear? And I still try and mindfully do this because what it does is it slows you down. If you're choosing the thing, And it's based in love. I love these people. I can't wait to celebrate with them. This sounds like a lot of fun. Then go do it. If I'm making that decision from a place of fear, and remember that there's all those other kind of harder emotions that would be stemming out of fear. So if I'm doing it because I'm angry or I'm doing it because I'm worried about what somebody else will think, if I'm that range of emotions, if I'm doing it from that place, then ask myself to stop and reconsider because A choice made from fear, especially from fear of missing out, is not aligned with love and it is not aligned with joy. And so, therefore, I want to slow myself down and make a decision that aligns me with love. And sometimes these decisions are really hard to make. Making the choice to say no to something, especially when it's loaded with shoulds, like, I should go to that event because everybody I know will be there. I should wear this clothing because it's trendy. I should wear my hair. All of that stuff. It means that you're taking the moment to break down some social norms often or some expectations or some shoulds that have been put on your life, maybe from an external place, and you are deciding something different. So it's hard. And I think it's really interesting when you start to break it down that way, because when you'll feel the shift, if you start weighing out your decision-making process, you'll feel the shift when you start to align with choices that are made from a place of love, and you will feel more joyful if you start to align your choices from that same place as well. Number three is build in the three-step mindfulness of awareness, choice, and action into your day. So these, this step is obviously very closely tied to the previous two, and so it's tied to the fact that you're always in choice and being aware of that, 
And this mindful tool helps you in being able to catch yourself when you are in the midst of a decision and remind yourself that you are always in choice. And then, of course, allows you to make the choice based on fear or love. So in looking at the work of Janine Roth, who is, of course, the author of Women, Food, and God, amongst some other amazing titles, and she focuses this work on working with people who are trying to break free from compulsive actions. Now, of course, a lot of her work is around eating and the role that food plays in our lives. But I think that a lot of compulsive activity and kind of the triggers behind compulsive activity are applicable across various kinds of reactive or compulsive behaviors. So when we look at this idea of awareness, choice, action, it brings this new level of mindfulness to a situation. Because I know that for much of our day and much of the decisions we're actually making, we are in kind of a reactive or automatic mode. And maybe you don't stop to think and check in with yourself about what you want. This leads to feeling like you don't have choices or that you're not making choices, but rather you're just kind of going through the motions. And it's true if you look at some of the work, like a really great book is The Courage Habit. Kate Swoboda there talks about how habits can kind of lead you through your day-to-day activities. And so a lot of it, the idea is that when you change a habit, then you change how you are acting, which is really powerful. So this idea of awareness, choice, and action puts us in this space of slowing down It calls us out of the reactive mode, and it puts us in this space where we can make decisions. The really great thing about awareness, choice, and action is that you become aware of the moments and the times that you're making decisions. It's that just that breath of a moment when you realize, oh, I'm making a decision. And then you can say, and I have the choice. I can do what I want or what I need. And then the next step, of course, is to take the action based on what feels aligned for you. Some of these moments of awareness just pop up when you realize that you don't want to do the thing you're about to do. And you can see that moment where you're like, I don't want to do this thing as a really big invitation to get curious about why. Why don't I want to do this thing? So let's, let's work an example here, a big one that I can see for a lot of people is maybe you feel crappy about going into work and you start to feel awful every Sunday. If that's true for you, then it's an invitation to drop into the awareness level. Why don't I want to go to work? Why do I feel crappy? What's going on here? And whatever you discover in that moment, then you can make a choice. In that example, maybe you want to look for a new job. Or maybe it is that you just don't feel confident about yourself for some reason, and maybe it has to do with any number of things. Or maybe it's that you're stressed out because you are on kid drop-off duty, and you want to find a new way to deal with that. You know, what's causing the stress? Why don't you want to go? And what choices can you make that might make you feel better about the thing? Based on that bit of self-discovery and a choice that you make, then the next step is, of course, action. You could draft a resume if you've decided that you really don't like the job that you're in. Maybe if you're not feeling very confident, you could look at the reasons why you're not feeling confident and take some actions. If it's around appearance, you know, get a haircut. If (laughs) if it's around skills, you know, maybe brush up on something that you aren't feeling so great about doing in the office. And if it's about the kid drop-off duty, maybe try a new schedule or look for a new way to approach this. So I think the magic of this 
awareness choice action step is that it really does force you to stop and think and put a breath in between the reactive mode that you are usually in. And it gives you the space to be very mindful about the decision that you're going to make and then make the action that you take aligned with that decision and the things that you really want for your life. Number four is choose graciousness and spaciousness. And this is the one that was really the core of the discussion that my mom and I had over lunch last week. And she was talking about how she had this really dear friend, Louise, who she lived down the street from in Kansas City, and how Louise, just by her way of being, really embodied this beautiful way of choosing graciousness when she was met with someone else. You felt heard and seen and treasured by her. And it didn't matter what kind of thing maybe was brought up in a conversation. She remained consistently gracious, no matter the situation. And I think maybe we all know somebody a little bit like that in our lives, where they just have a calm and a presence. And really, I'm suggesting that that is also a choice. And that's what my mom and I talked about, Louise, was this was a choice of her way of being in the world. And I think taking that example and kind of boiling it down into kind of those day-to-day moments where you're met with something that maybe is uncomfortable, you're met with an opinion that isn't what you're used to, or you're met even with a difficult situation, you can choose to be gracious and allow for spaciousness in that moment. And and that's what this number four is really all about. And and I want to add the footnote here is this this doesn't mean um, don't be you. And this doesn't mean don't stand up for what you believe in. Um, it's all about remaining true to your higher self. It's all about remaining true to choosing love in each moment. And it's all about modeling for someone else what it means to be a gracious and loving human instead of allowing ourselves, and I know I've done it myself, to feel stressed out and act in a way that may be giving into fear. And so this one really does also tie into the others, of course. I think the other version of this, and that is so beautiful as well, is Michelle Obama saying, when they go low, we go high. That's the other way of saying this kind of choose grace and spaciousness. Because around that statement, Michelle Obama, and there's a link to this interview as well in the show notes, but she added that fear is not the proper motivator. Hope wins out. And this is so true about choice and in this discussion about joy, because when we choose to go high or when we choose grace and spaciousness in a situation that's uncomfortable, We can give the other person the room to be wrong or the other person the space to have an opinion that doesn't align with ours. And we can show them what it means to be a loving human and present our own point of view in a way that is respectful. So that's kind of what this whole thing means. And the questions that I would have around this one is in alignment with joy is when you encounter someone you're not seeing eye to eye with, how do you choose to act? You know, is it the choice, and and I'm not suggesting you this way, but are you angry, spiteful, loud, or upset? Or do you explain what you want and what you need and give the other person or the other people the space to do the same? And that's really the question of this one, of choose grace and spaciousness wherever possible. And number five, choose to surround yourself with things and people that inspire you and uplift you. 
So this one is all over right now, right? Especially with Marie Kondo's Art of Tidying Up, which I have been tidying up my house. (laughs) I've been doing a lot of the basic principle, if you're not familiar with her or haven't yet seen her on Netflix, which I will link to both the book and her um, series in the show notes, is that you kind of go through everything in your home and you hold it in your hand and you're going to, you say to yourself, does this spark joy? If it does, you keep it. And if it doesn't, then you thank it for its service and you you let it go, meaning you, you, you know, donate it. But this is that idea of surrounding yourself that, with things that are sparking joy and that are beautiful. And it's funny because fly lady Marla Silly, who has been on the show three times, she also says that same thing about what to surround yourself and keep in your home is things that make you feel good and that uplift you and that inspire you. I think this is really important because it starts to surround you with this basis for feeling joy and for being happy. And it's a choice. You can choose to keep the old things that are worn out and that no longer work, or you can choose to keep the things that you don't really like, or you can choose to make space for the things that you really love. The other side of this that I really felt like resonated, it's it's that same thing about external external, so the home and the things that surround you physically, or the internal. And there's this really amazing interview. It's Maya Angelou. So it's going to be amazing. And it was with Oprah in December of 2000. So a long time ago. And I actually remember reading this and went back to find it just for this episode. But they talk about how Maya Angelou approached making her space sacred. So she had a couple of things to say, and I'm just going to read them. But about negativity, she said, I'm convinced that the negative has power. It lives. And if you allow it to perch in your house, in your mind, in your life, it can take you over. So when the rude or cruel thing is said, that the lambasting, the gay bashing, the hate, I say, take it all out of my house. Those negative words climb into the woodwork and into the furniture. And the next thing you know, they'll be on my skin. So that was her take on negativity. That's a quote. And on the positive spirit, Oprah said to her, you can allow goodness to come in and and you can claim it. And Maya said to that, you can ask it in, show it how much you like it, make room for it. And it says, oh, I like this place. I think I'll stay here, which is why people go into one house and they say, oh, I want to take my shoes off. And at another house, no matter how beautiful it is, they might say, "Mm, I can't stay. And that's the end of that quote. I remember a time after reading this interview, I was met with a situation where we discovered that my ex-husband, so we were married at the time, but his uh, one of his really good friends had cheated on his wife. And this, of course, broke my heart because I, I loved his wife very much and we had hung out a lot. And the whole situation just sickened me. And so kind of based on this notion of what Maya Angelou's put forth here, I decided I could not have this person in my house. I could not have this man that had cheated on his wife in my home. And it's a really interesting thing to choose and (laughs) interesting and difficult thing to say and choose in your own life when you have something like that. Like I just knew it was out of integrity for me to have this person that had done something so awful in my home. And I decided that it was more important, and this kind of goes with the choose graciousness and spaciousness, step four, to create a space of joy and grace in my home And I realized that even by taking the stance and saying it, it was going to open up the space for a disagreement with the person that I was married to. 
And so I think that's one of the interesting things about choice. And that's one of the really big footnotes to this whole thing about joy being a choice. As we kind of work our way out of number five and surrounding yourself with beautiful and inspiring and joyful things, the footnote on this whole topic is that while joy is a beautiful, happy, uplifting emotion, it doesn't mean that choosing joy is going to be easy. And that is really the powerful thing about it. And that's the reason that joy has been a muse for me. Like it draws me in, it wants me to play with it. And it's that it's the fact that joy is not simple that has made it a really interesting topic for me to play with for the last four years. When I pitch people for this show or talk about the show with other people, I bring it up that it's not easy and that joy is a choice and that it's often the most improbable choice we make, you know, when, when we're faced with a difficult situation. Because I think so many people think that joy is simplistic or that it's easy. And having spent years with joy, I mean, I remember even as a little bitty kid, when someone once asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, happy. <laughs> so I've been, this has been calling to me for years. <laughs> but when I think about it, and I've been working towards it for so long, this is not an easy thing. And it is not simple. It's a huge choice to dedicate your life and your world to point towards whatever it is that makes you happy or brings you joy. And since joy is a state of being, it's fleeting. You can't always stay in the state of joy. And it's easy to let go of that pursuit, right? It Joy pops up unexpectedly. And it's easy to get discouraged and go for something else. Then only later to realize you're not really happy or you're not really fulfilled and you've somehow been in the same job for a long time and wonder what happened. <laughs> so instead of that, I choose to put joy in choosing things that make me feel ha- happy and that bring my family and my space joy. Um, I put all of that, I put that first for us. And it's not by ha- happenstance or chance that I do it. I think that if you choose joy and you start to make it a priority in your life, just like anything else, it becomes more apparent for you and you start to see it show up more and more because as the quote goes, chance favors the prepared mind, which I think was actually said by a scientist. And he realized that the more he studied something, the more he would happen upon things that were related to it. So when you are looking for and living with joy, and choosing joy every day, you will find more of it, and more of it will find you. Let's go over those five ways your choices have an impact on the level of joy in your life. One is remember that you are always in choice. Two, consider if you are choosing love or fear when you are looking at making a decision. Three, build in the mindfulness of awareness, choice, and action into your decisions. Number four, Choose grace and spaciousness. And number five, choose to surround yourself with things that inspire you and uplift you. If you want to find the resources from this show or the links that I talked about as I talked through the topics, you can find the show notes for this episode at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash five choices. And that's the number five. Or if you want to find out more about the show or listen to 172 other episodes... (laughs) 
about joy, you can find them at jumpstartyourjoy.com as well. As I mentioned also at the top of the show, if you want to start your own podcast because you just can't get enough of them and you have a really awesome idea for a show, which I'm sure you do, you can get the cheat sheet on all of the hardware and software that I'm using each week to create this program. And you can find that at the site under the start a podcast link. And I will email you my very own PDF of all the stuff that I use that you can print out and keep nearby. And um, there's also some links to the products that I use as well. Next week on the show, I am really excited, you guys, to have Sharon Prentice come on to talk about her book, which is Becoming Starlight, a shared death journey from darkness to light. Sharon had a shared death experience um, at the moment of her husband's death, and she talks about the impact that that has had on her life and how it brought her to the presence of God. She is a psychotherapist and a spiritual counselor, and I am really excited to share her story and the interview with you all next week. So I hope you'll come back for that episode. And until then, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.